Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, you may know, it's been referred to, we referred to it as the first Sunday in December, and so we talk about Christmas, but, but really this is the first Sunday of what's known as Advent. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not an Anglican in any way, shape or form. Um, but Advent talks about the coming. It means the coming of Christ. And so what usually happens in the church is that they're looking back to the period before Jesus came. And they're looking at the wonder and the mystery of all of that. And the incarnation, the moment when Jesus came from heaven to earth in the form of the baby. And the the mystery of the incarnation. How on earth does that happen? Advent is where people look back and they celebrate that and they look to that. And at the same time, they're looking forward, we're looking forward to Jesus coming again. That's part of the big promise for us, is that Jesus will return. It's not purely about what goes on here and now. There is this promise that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back in the same way that he left. That's what the Bible tells us. Just as they saw him be lifted up and ascend into heaven, we will see him come back to earth. And and that is part of the hope that we have as Christians. There's a focus on the past, what happened with his coming. There's a focus on the future of his returning. And then there's a focus on the here and now, him with us, God with us. And we are looking at that. And there's a sense in which we are, in our hearts, looking for that. And so we're going to be looking at, um, I suppose, the meaning of carols at Christmas. Yeah, over these next, uh, just today and the next two weeks. So what's happened is those of us who are speaking, and I'm speaking today, um, are going to be unpacking lines or verses of carols. And I think what you'll discover is how deeply rooted in truth they are, yeah? And you may even discover that some songs that get sung are not as deeply rooted in truth as some of the carols that we sing, even though we only sing them at Christmas. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the first verse of the well-known carol, Joy to the World. Now, we sung it, we sung it a bit differently. There was this real medley. Did you get that? The medley of, it was like a playlist, yeah? It was like the Beacon playlist, the Beacon Christmas playlist. There's all these different songs being merged together. And I'm thinking, did we do that? Has someone done that? Anyway, joy to the world. And we're going to look at the first verse of this carol. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Now, you can tell whether a carol's good, and this is a good carol. Joy to the World is written by Isaac Watts. I don't know how many of you have ever... Have you heard of Isaac Watts? A few of us. Isaac Watts was a very prolific hymn writer of the 18th century. So this song, I think, came out in about 1719. So it's old. So what's that? It's nearly 300 years old. Yeah? People are still singing it. Yeah? Not every song gets sung after 300 years. Um, and he also wrote songs like When I Survey. So this guy wrote some big songs. Joy to the World at one point was the most popular carol around um, 
in its day. Um, and it was originally based on Psalm 98. And that psalm talks about God's love and faithfulness to his people becoming known to them, but not only to them, to the world and to the whole of creation. And so it's a very joyful carol, and it comes out of a psalm which is full of joy. We're not going to look at that psalm directly today, but we are just going to unpack the carol and the lines in the carol and just look at what truth is behind those lines for us at Christmas. What truth is behind those lines for us? So the first line of the carol is simply this, joy to the world. Joy to the world. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, The angel said to them, this is the angel speaking to the shepherds on the night that it was announced that Jesus was to be born or being born. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news that will cause great joy for all the the people. Now the thing that really struck me about this is the carol speaks of joy to the world. That Jesus coming was not so much uh, an activity that was important for the Jewish people. Oh, you know, that's a very Jewish thing. Jesus is going to come. It's going to be important for the Christian. No, this was joy to the world. This was joy to everyone, whether they were Jews or they were not Jews, whether they believed something else or they believed in Jesus. The coming of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, that moment in history where all God's promises were fulfilled is joy to the world. It's joy to everyone. And it's really helpful for us to get that as Christians because we, even today, can get in our mindset the way that some people think, well, okay, Christianity is good for you and this is good for me. You believe that, I believe this. That is not how it goes. How it goes is Jesus came and that was good news for everyone. Whether they believe him or they don't believe him, it's good news for the world. Yeah, It's great joy for all people. His, even the way his birth is announced, it's announced by an angel, angelic hosts. There aren't many people that get that. Yeah, I don't know how many of you had angelic hosts when you were born. Do you know what? I don't think I did. Yeah, I don't think I did. I don't think there was the clouds parted, angels spoke down. I don't think it happened. But for Jesus there was an announcement from heaven that he was coming. And why was it joy? It was joy because it was the promises of God that were about to be fulfilled. God had promised. God had said from from many, many years before, I'm going to send one. The Messiah is going to come. Yeah, Something's going to happen. And the people were expecting it. They were waiting for it. They didn't know what it was. Even the Jews who were really anticipating it, they were really only anticipating it for themselves. But actually, Jesus was always coming for the world. Yeah? And it's helpful for us to remind ourselves of that, that, oh yeah, my Christianity, and when I speak to people, and I, you know, I need to be, got to be gracious and all that kind of stuff, but in my heart, this is for the world. This isn't, for those, this isn't just for Christians. 
This isn't just for people in certain countries or people who look in a certain way. This is good news for the world. Why is it good news? Because the Lord has come. The Lord has come. In Luke 2, verse 11, the very next verse, it says, Today, this is what gets announced. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A saviour has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is not a Messiah. He is not a Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one that was always promised. He was the one who was always expected in the history of humanity. All the purposes of God come to this moment when the Messiah comes, Jesus. And he comes in a way that was not expected, even though it was prophesied, even though it was promised. It was talked about in Isaiah that that, that the baby would be born to a virgin in Bethlehem. But they hadn't really connected that. They weren't necessarily expecting him to be born into a stable in Bethlehem. Into a family that hadn't quite got it right yet. That was not what was expected. The Messiah was meant to come in a very different way. But he is Christ, he is the Lord who has come. And it's interesting that he's described as Lord because we worship him. The Messiah comes, if you like, the one who's going to set us free. Yeah, The Messiah sets us free. But the Lord is the one that we worship. It's different. Yeah, It's all well and good thinking of Jesus as the Messiah, the one who sets us free, the Moses kind of figure, the one who, nobody bowed down to Moses, but he was their Messiah. He set them free. God used him to set them free. But Jesus doesn't just come as the Messiah, he comes as the Lord. Yeah, He comes as the one who you will worship, the one whose heart, you, who you will give your heart to. Yeah? God has become man. And then it says, this interesting phrase, let earth receive her king. So we just sing that, let earth receive her king. Yeah, yeah. I love, I sing carols. Yeah, I've got a playlist of them. He came, this is what it says in John 1, verse 11. He came to that which was his own. Yeah, his own people, Israel. But his own did not receive him. You see, Jesus came as king, but he wasn't received as king. Yeah? So we sing the line as though, you know, it's just a straightforward line, let the earth receive his king, but her king. But the earth does not receive her king. Yeah? In fact, they, it, it, it says, John 1, it says, he came to his own. He came among the very people that God had chosen, the Israelites. He came among those people, but they did not receive him. They did not accept him. They did not embrace him. In fact, they rejected him. And it's really interesting because later, when Jesus is now a man and he's telling stories, he's telling parables, he tells this parable. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he calls 10 of his servants, and we read the parable about the 10 miners and what do they do with it. But there's this, this is the interesting thing about this parable. His subjects hated him. And they sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. 
We don't want him to be our king. He was made king, however, and he returned home. And it's really interesting because Jesus came, and the, the carol tells us, and we know this to be true, Jesus came as the king, but actually they didn't receive him as king. We don't want him to be king. We don't receive him. Yeah. In fact, they hated him, it says. It, Jesus tells this parable, they hated him. He's talking about himself. Yeah, they, they hated me. Yeah, I came, I, Jesus came as of noble birth. He was the son of God. He comes to the earth. He comes as a king. Few people receive him. Few people see it. They hated him. And actually it says, when he's then taken to Pilate, um, this is what the Jews say to Pilate about Jesus. We have found this man subverting our nation. He, he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and he claims to be Messiah, a king. And Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, you have said so. So, so it's true, John 1 is true. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Though the earth was meant to receive him as king, the earth did not receive him as king. The earth opposed him. The earth stood against him. And you know the story, you know the story of Jesus, that throughout his life, they call him all sorts of things, but they never call him king. They call him all sorts of things. Sometimes you, I, I wonder, what would that have been like for Jesus, who knew who he was as the Son of God, to be told, oh, no, we think that you're from the devil. Because that's what the people said to him. They rejected him. And yet, there is this thing where, in, as in the parable, we don't want him to be king, but he was made king. So although people did not want Jesus as king, he was made king. He was made king. He, he does rule. He died and in, in rising again, he, he conquered death. He conquered the final thing that no one had ever conquered. He conquered it and he became king and he ascended to the right hand of his father and he sat down. He was king. They might have rejected him, but he was made king. And then the... And then the song tells us, let every heart prepare him room. And it's wonderful, it's a wonderful phrase, but it's a phrase that I think we will miss in this song. Let, let it, I won't even sing it again, because I'll just <laughs> go. I'm not going to do the singing, yeah? I'm tempted, I love this. Let every heart prepare him room. And in the end, the kingship of Jesus was not demonstrated in a, in a kind of a governmental way. It wasn't demonstrated through him being like a, a, a kind of a soldier, a warrior. He didn't come on a big horse. Yeah? All the things that they expected, he didn't do. Yeah? His kingship, and more importantly, his lordship, was in the heart. And it was always about the heart. For Jesus, he was coming to be Lord, uh, yes, of over creation, but he was also coming to be Lord of our hearts. Yeah? And so there is this thing of let every heart prepare him room. And I love that because it's, it's very indiscriminate. 
Yeah? Every heart. It, it doesn't question where the heart is or where, whose heart it is. It's not like a certain kind of person. Let every heart make room for Jesus, who is both King and Lord. Let every heart make room. And John 1, again, where I just looked at John 1, verse 12, where, where 11, where it says that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. The very next verse says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So although he was rejected, amongst those that rejected him were those who did receive him, were those who did believe in his name. And what happened to those people? He gave the right. Yet owning Jesus can give you the right to be called a child of God. Yeah? You can't claim that by some way of behaving. You can't claim that by your performance. You can't claim that by your efforts. You can't claim that by your name. The only way you get the right to be a child of God is because Jesus gives you that right. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Let every heart prepare him room. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says this, In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart being in the most inner part of who you are, in your deepest soul, in the bit of you that worships, the bit of you that, I, that gives you identity, the deepest bit of you, we can't see it on the outside, we only see the results of it, but in that deepest part of who you are, the bit that decides where you go, what you do, how you spend your money, what you do with your time, in that bit, set apart Christ as Lord. I.e., why Lord? Because it's there that you worship. Yeah? You worship him because he's your Lord. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. The indiscriminate nature of the coming of Jesus, i.e. to the world, and the only conditional element is to do with the heart. Yeah? That's the only conditional element. Yeah? We might create other conditions like, oh, I'm not good enough, oh, I di- I'm not educated enough, oh, I've come from a poor background, oh, I'm diff- oh, you know, my background, people like me don't become Christian if you knew. None of that counts. None of that counts. The only conditional element is about the heart. Yeah? And it's about belief. Do I believe him? Can I give my heart to him? Yeah? So, so don't, don't, you can create all sorts of barriers to your entry into God. You can create them. He doesn't create them. His announcement is let every heart prepare room. Yeah, oh, does that mean this kind of heart? Yeah, every heart. Let every heart prepare room. Or John 3.16, the most wonderful verse in the Bible, whosoever believes. It's not, oh, certain kinds of people will believe or certain kinds of believe. Whosoever believes. It's available, it's open to anyone who would believe. I mean, that's the nature of the gospel. It's not cultural. It's not to do with certain kinds of behaviour. It's to do with a heart towards God. Whosoever would believe. Let every heart prepare him room. I love it. 
I love the universal nature of the gospel. That God comes and he says, whosoever believes will inherit eternal life. The challenge for all of us is will we make room in our hearts for Jesus? Have you made room in your heart for Jesus? And I'm not asking, are you a Christian? Because probably most, if not all of us, are Christian. But have you made room? Have you not just acknowledged him as your Messiah, the King? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah? Have you acknowledged him as Lord? Is he the driver? Is he the one who determines what you do and how you do it? Whether or not it hurts or it helps, whether or not on this earth you feel pain or you don't feel pain, is he the one that you're looking to all the time? Have you made room in your heart for Jesus? And then just the final line in that song, let heaven and nature sing. This comes out of that passage in Psalm 98, verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. His coming was more than just a human event. Although he came as, into this world and he came as a person, it was more than that. Jesus' coming set the whole of creation singing. Jesus' coming set the heavens and the earth in wonderful worship of God. Yeah, Because he's over it all. It's not just that, oh yeah, Jesus is a really influential person. He touches the lives of people. No, he was over it all. Yeah? If you know anything of what the Bible says, you'll understand. It tells us in John 1 that, that, that the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. What it tells us is Jesus was involved in that very same creation. The creation of the heavens and the earth, the separating of light from darkness, land and sea, and all of that kind of stuff that happened, the, the flinging of the stars into space, Jesus was there. Jesus was part of all of that. So then when he comes to earth, it is a most magnificent moment that the very creator of the universe comes down. And he comes in the most vulnerable way. Yeah? As a baby. Born to not very wealthy parents. In a manger. Not even in their own home. He could not have come in a more vulnerable way fragile way. The one who created it comes right into it. It's amazing. And Christmas is a time where we want to remember that. And we want to remember that among all the, the heaven and nature singing, he's also asking the question, he's sending out this declaration, let every heart prepare room. Let every heart prepare room for his coming. The coming of Jesus was not just joy for the world, though it was that. It was the fulfilment of God's plan, both throughout creation and throughout eternity. That was what the coming of Jesus reflected. Though many have rejected it, and, and we can't deny that, we can't move, just, just 
sort of wash over that. Many have rejected. The world does not receive Jesus as king. But thank the Lord, we do. The church does. Yeah? And in doing so, we become an example of what it means. What does it look like when Jesus is king? What does a community look like when he's Lord? Hopefully it's full of grace, it's full of kindness, it's full of hope, it's full of joy. Many have rejected, it remains a certain promise. And again, the parable talked about they didn't want him to be king, but he was made king. People may not want Jesus to be king, but he is king. Yeah, It is joy to the world. He did come for all people. The fact that we don't see that is actually not the point. The point is that that is the truth of it. That's the promise of God. It remains a certain promise that God declared. So in a moment, we're going to sing that song again. So guys, if you want to do... I don't know whether we're going to sing the medley or whether we're going to sing the straight version. And I'm not really that bothered. There are three ways in which I think we can respond. The first is... We bring joyful worship to God for salvation. Yeah? Uh, I encourage you, slightly plead with you, be grateful to God that you're saved. Remind yourself of it. Remind yourself of the hope that comes from knowing him. Because sometimes your life, um, and in fact, Yaz, my daughter, was, was reminding me of this, sometimes... The life of uh, the Christian and the life of the unbeliever, at one, some levels it can look very similar, but actually for the Christian, the, the depth of the hope and the joy and the peace that can come from knowing God is, is not comparable. There is nothing that compares to it. And, and I want you to live in the good of what God has done, but I want you to live with the good of what God has done. Don't just say, oh, I benefit from the fact that I'm a Christian. Actually, live, live it out. Live it out. So for some of us, there's a, it's a reminder, joyful worship to God for salvation. Be grateful to him that you're saved. For others of us, there's, and I know for some here they're like that, there's, there's a desire for joyful proclamation of the Messiah coming. That, that's why I, I, I say to us, look, invite a friend to the, to the carol service. Not because, oh yeah, they'll be asked us to invite people, yeah, I should really do that. No, it's, it's because you have received the Messiah. And what would happen if your best friend received him too? What, what would that be like if they could receive the hope and the joy and the peace that you have? Yeah, You might think to yourself, oh yeah, I mean, but life can be really tough. I know life's really tough, but my goodness, life without God is even tougher. Imagine if people that you knew knew Jesus like you did. And you watch, you watch your friends and your family, and I watch my friends and family, and we sometimes watch them make odd and silly decisions. And in our hearts, it's, oh God, if only they could know. If only they knew. If only they knew what it was like to have you as father. If only they knew. And sometimes we can take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Worship God for salvation. Proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And then 
The third thing that I think Christians can do is a joyful submission to Jesus as Lord. Do you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, there's some human stuff that can be challenging, but my goodness, is it worth it? When you get to that place where you say, Jesus, I don't just believe that you you died on the cross and rose again for my sin. I, I want you to reign in my life. I want every decision I make to be made totally through you. I don't want to live my own life anymore. And it may be that you did that when you became a Christian, but you know what? You might need to do that again. Not soon, you're not going to become a Christian again, but you're going to resubmit yourself to Jesus again. Because maybe for a period you've just lived your own way. You've forgotten. You've forgotten. Oh, the, the, you've forgotten the amazing miracle it is to know him. Just to know him. You, you forget, you kind of forget, oh, yeah, you know, it's almost like you've got this really, ama- you're in this really amazing situation in your life. Maybe it's all going really well at work and, and you forget, oh, not everyone experiences life like this. Yeah? And it's not saying that there aren't difficulties. Life is full of difficulties and challenges, but that's not what defines you and me. The thing that defines us is that God is with us in the difficulties and the challenges and that changes everything. It changes everything. Let's stand together. I don't quite know how we get to joy to the world from that moment, but I'm sure they know. Um, But just to remind us, joyful worship to God for salvation. Joyful proclamation of the Messiah coming. Joyful submission to Jesus as Lord. And which of those reflects where you are right now? that you need to go, oh God, do this in me. Let's worship together. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.